Welcome to Reception Insider. I'm Kathy Back, Faculty Manager of the RACGP Tasmania. And I'm Ann Davis, New South Wales and ACT Faculty Manager. Today we are speaking about Core Standard 2 of the RACGP Practice Accreditation Standards. And this Standard 2 is about the rights and needs of patients. This is all about how our patient respects the rights and needs of our patients. Criterion 2.1 is about respectful and culturally appropriate care. Cathy, I think this is a, a really important criterion because it is the foundation of the patient-practitioner partnership, really, and it's based on mutual respect and responsibility for the patient's health care. So the doctor is required to clearly explain benefits and the potential harm of medical treatments and the consequences of not following a recommended management plan. So what is respectful and culturally appropriate? Culturally appropriate and respectful care is based on providing care around cultural awareness and sensitivity, which means we need to know about other cultures and cultural beliefs. The Centre for Cultural Diversity and Ageing defines cultural awareness as an understanding of how a person's culture may inform their values, behaviours, beliefs and basic assumptions. It recognises that we are all shaped by our cultural background, which influences how we interpret the world around us, perceive ourselves and relate to other people. So culturally safe policies aim to create an environment that is safe for people where there is no assault, challenge or denial of their identity of who they are and what they need and where there is shared respect, shared meaning, shared knowledge and experience of learning, living and working together with dignity and truly listening. That's very powerful, isn't it? Yes. So I think it is. So Cathy, I guess we need to have a look at patients' rights and patients' responsibilities. So I might just start with the rights. So patients have a right to respectful care and that care considers their religion and cultural beliefs. And it also displays an acceptance of diversity and promotes their dignity, privacy and safety. And I think all of those grouped together is about putting a patient in a situation where they feel certainly respected and that they have the rights, but it's going to promote much more effective communication because they feel that they're being understood. So that respect for patients also extends to recording, storing, using and disclosing health and other information about them. So it's not just about their religion and their diversity, but it's also about the information that we hold about those patients. So as a receptionist, it's quite important to understand demographics and the cultural background of our patient population. And by understanding that, it means that you can give consideration to what is the most appropriate care, how you communicate, how the patient's treated. It is worth explaining to patients when you ask them about cultural identity and beliefs that you are doing this in order to help the practice to provide that culturally sensitive care. It's also important to be mindful that we're dealing with patients. The practice team must also comply with the Commonwealth and any relevant state or anti-discriminatory laws. So that's all about the patient's rights. 
The patient also has the right to refuse treatment and obtain second opinions. So patients who have a decision-making capability have the right to refuse a recommended treatment, advice or procedure and to seek a second clinical opinion from another healthcare provider. And they should not be treated badly because of that decision to have another opinion. So I think that's very important as well to remember. So as a receptionist, if need be, it would be appropriate for the receptionist to assist the patient to ask their usual GP for a, a second opinion. Correct. I think that's exactly right. Yep. So the other side of rights is responsibilities. And I think this is important as well because patients do have a responsibility. They have a responsibility to be respectful and considerate towards their practitioners and to the practice team members as well. And I know that some practices do have some policies regarding communication between patients and the practice team. The other important thing to think about is ethical dilemmas. Practitioners often need to manage ethical issues and dilemmas in many different practice settings. And this can extend to discussion on the receiving of gifts from patients. So as a receptionist, it's probably worthwhile having a bit of a chat to your practice manager about those particular policies regarding ethical dilemmas. You know, what is acceptable and what isn't acceptable? Really a great advice, I think, Anne. So the indicator for this criterion is our practice in providing patient health care considers patients' rights, beliefs and their cultural and religious backgrounds. So how can you meet this criterion? You could consider factors that may affect the provision of respectful and culturally appropriate care, including the patient's preference for a male or female doctor. And I guess, Cathy, when they're making an appointment, particularly for the first time, making sure that as a receptionist, we are aware and sometimes just asking, would you prefer a male or female doctor? I agree. And and should that be documented if a patient does have a very strong preference? Would you suggest that this gets documented somewhere? I think that that's a really good idea, Cathy, because it can just go on their notes. I'm sure there'll be a space on best practice or medical director where that piece of information could be added in. Because if they're a new patient and they're not able to repeatedly see the same doctor, at least if you know as a receptionist that the patient would rather see a female doctor, you can always try and do that rather than making the patient feel potentially uncomfortable. And having to answer that same question each time as well. Absolutely, yeah. You could also consider the role of the patient's family. You know, does the patient need people to come with them? Do they have, are they caring for other members of their family? You know, just the family dynamic a little bit. The impact that the patient's culture has on health beliefs. Some religions do look at the need for medical intervention a little bit differently. So, you know, just understanding a little bit about patients' religious beliefs or their culture. And noting also, considering if there's been a history of traumatic events, including but not limited though to those associated with forced migration. If a person has been, you know, displaced from their home and they may be traumatised by that, just being mindful of that when the patient comes in. I also think that patients need to be able to understand decisions about their health care. They need to understand what the care is, what the proposed management and treatment is. And in order to do that, as we've talked about before, it's possible that translator might be required. And a receptionist can really be proactive 
in this situation and suggest it to the patient or the patient's carer and then, you know, be really ready to organise that particular translator to be available. If the patient has a regular carer, it may be appropriate with the patient's consent to include the carer in that appointment as well in that some carers will bring the patient but not actually go into the consulting room. So have a chat with the patient. Just check, you know, is your mum going into your consultation today? Just to give the patients that opportunity to say yes or no. So patients will also feel really respected if the reception staff are positive, friendly, attentive, empathetic and helpful. And I think that many receptionists are possessing those particular attributes and often that's the reason that they've been engaged. And I think sometimes just we might need to remind ourselves as a receptionist that I know I'm really busy and I know I'm really tired, but these attitudes that I have are really going to influence how the patient feels as well. I think that can't be underemphasised, Anne. You know, the reception staff are the first point of contact with the patient for the practice and the attitude of the reception staff really sets the tone for the level of comfort that the patient may feel throughout the whole procedure. So I think it's very important. And I think another area is the skills of the receptionist to identify a patient that is looking a little bit distressed or is a patient that just doesn't look their usual self. And maps asking the patient whether they need some privacy. Many practices will have a policy on this. Check that you know where is a private area where that person can wait before seeing their doctor that's not out in the waiting room. This is a really effective way of enabling a patient to feel quite respected. So that's a really opportune time for receptionists to assist there. The other policy that a practice may have could be on cultural safety and perhaps check with your practice manager and if there is one, you know, what does it include? Does it talk about patients' rights and responsibilities? Does it talk about any anti-discrimination, including, you know, unique health needs for anyone in the LGBTQIA spectrum in that um, more and more practices are actually realising that many of their patients you know, may fall into one of these groups and being able to show that you as a practice are really inclusive is a really positive thing as far as cultural safety but also respect. And I think, Cathy, isn't there an accreditation, a rainbow tick? I think there's another accreditation that practices can go work towards in that space. I'm actually not sure, Anne, but that's certainly something we will investigate and maybe we'll do a podcast on that one as well. So you can use another way of finding out more about your patient cohort and any cultural groups is that you can use the clinical audit tool to identify cultural groups in your population. Now, this is something that your practice manager would probably do, but I think it's a great idea because then you understand more about who comes to see you. And if you have a specific area where you might have a lot of people in Hobart, for example, there's quite a lot of Nepalese people. So understanding that, you know, we have a lot of Nepalese people, so let's find out a little bit more about their culture so that we can provide them a more culturally sensitive and safe area. Or if you're in an area that has a high Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander cohort, understanding more about their culture and making sure that you are doing things like displaying signs acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land, 
displaying Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander flags and art. Those little things make a person of those, you know, our First Nations people feel much more safe and comfortable when they come into the practice if they see that. So I think that's hugely important. And I think, Kathy, it's like anyone. I mean, when we walk into a, a restaurant that is of a different culture, we look around and see that culture and we're thinking, oh, this is great. This is the meal that we're having. But if we walked in there and we're actually going to have a medical appointment, it would be quite a different thing, wouldn't it? Because it doesn't feel familiar and it feels uncomfortable and challenging rather than the excitement of a meal. That's actually a very good way of explaining <laughs> it. And I know, and particularly when you think about being culturally sensitive with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander patients. I know I had done some work on a little island in Bass Strait off Flinders Island, which is very, it's an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander settlement really. And they, in their medical centre there, it's just wonderful. They have art done by children of you know, the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children have, the school kids have done all these beautiful artworks that are displayed in the practice. And the patients, the children who are often, you know, very frightened of coming to the doctor now love to come because they love to see their art up on the wall. Mm. And so that helps to bring the patients in. And they have posters that feature Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander patients. You know, it's very, very sensitive to the cultural needs of the patients that they have. And I think that it's not hard to do. It just takes a little bit of care and respect for your patients mm. so I think that you know it's very important to do it also wouldn't hurt to display your practices cultural protocols in the office or the waiting area and consultation rooms as well and just to be mindful of the health literacy and cultural needs of your patients and make sure that the information you display is appropriate to this unfortunately Tasmania again has really quite low health literacy in certain areas and so it's very important that we don't pitch the information that we have at a level that just makes our patients feel uncomfortable because they don't understand. So I think that everything that we present to the patients needs to be, you know, suitable to the level of the patient's understanding and just respectful of them. And so that's where the receptionist role is really quite strong in determining what information and how the information is presented. But then if there are some particularly unique situations, just letting the practice manager know. Absolutely. Yep. No, I think that's really true. Thanks, Kathy. This brings us to the end of Criterion 2.1 and of this podcast. Again, thank you for doing what you do.